everyone, and welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman. You can call me H. And I'm Ryan Quintel. You can call me Q. Happy New Year. We made it. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2020. I think we were a bit early when we celebrated Christmas two weeks ago, but, um, you know, that's all in the right spirit. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's officially... 2020 unless we're getting our dates mixed up again which is entirely possible but for for all intents and purposes so let's just call it the future now Mm, i love that i love living in the future we're in another decade so all of my best of lists can't include bloodborne anymore um you know just like i i can't I, i just can't wait to see what the next 10 years holds for for us let me ask you this. So now that we're truly through and, you know, people have listened to all the Kane and Rince end of year stuff, I'm sure <laughs> all of you have, and you've gotten through every possible release and second of it. What for you, because we weren't together in any of the Kane and Rince uh, end of year stuff. What was like one to two, three standouts for you that you just like were so thankful for in 2019? Hmm. Well, I, uh, I put out kind of a best of list on Twitter, kind of my top 10 of the year. Oh. Uh, but if I have to narrow it down to like any particular moments uh, that really stood out, might not be uh, always towards the top of my list. But um, one of the things I really appreciated was the uh, parallel dimensions level in uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts. It's a, a great race through the city with these kind of magical twins that are uh, doing strange things to reality all around you to the beat of the music. And it's uh, it's quite um, quite synesthetic and quite magical. I, I really appreciate that. It was a weird kind of year for me. Moments? Yeah, it was a strange year for me just because I don't feel like I, I started off the year by finishing a 2018 holdover in Red Dead. Mm. And I... I I don't know if there was a ton and I'm, and I'm finishing or I'm starting, uh, I guess I'm finishing 2019. Sorry, everyone This takes place in the past. I'm finishing 2019, finally picking up the joysticks on control. If you listen to that segment of the end of the year mm, stuff, yeah. I was just so even more sold on it after that conversation <laughs> with people. But, um, it was kind of a slow burn year. I found myself consistently enjoying games like, Resident Evil 2 and Luigi's Mansion and Mario Maker and all these different little things that were just dropping throughout the year. Fire Emblem was this year too, right? Mm -hmm. Division 2, I had a lot of fun with that, but I I think I'm going to be really hard pressed to have a definitive game of the year for me. I mean, for me, it's Outer Wilds. And I feel like everyone that I recorded with who played the game kind of reached the same consensus. So if you haven't uh, spent your time venturing out into space just yet, then uh, I guess it's definitely I worth to. a look. It's definitely, it has Ryan Q written all over it. Yeah, definitely. Get in there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I will make it, I'll make it a mission. Hopefully I get it done before the, I catch up with the date that the listener hears this. And so see now when you listen to this episode, go back in my Twitter timeline and find out if I, <laughs> if I actually did it. <laughs> This is kind of weird. I can like future check myself. What a fun, fun concept. We'll see how much fun you're having in a couple of weeks when you don't play Outer Wilds. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's pitch some new video games. I'm going first today. And uh, what I have is 
an MMO where people play as germs or bacteria and infect basically giant people. Regular sized people, but on a giant scale since you're so small. Um, but basically it takes hordes of them to defeat the white blood cells and to damage the human's organs. Think about it like a uh, like a reverse Dynasty Warriors where you are playing kind of the horde of enemies trying to press through. Every uh, germ is controlled by a bespoke separate individual and uh, everyone is kind of working towards infecting uh, the, the maximum number of people. So we'll start the clock there. So does this have the ability to maybe infect someone and then go through what a virus does do, which is like mutate or or kind of uh, change yourself in some way? Yeah, potentially. Maybe there's ways to, if you can implant yourself in different organs or something like that, maybe once you've broken through and you've actually gotten into a body, then you could become more powerful and then start to lead charges. You know, we usually try to... Um, I think the natural propensity of video games is to reward people for doing something well with a power-up, but the um, the disadvantage of that is that you're only making the people who are better at the game more, uh, giving them more tools in their belt to be even more advantageous versus those who could really use the help. Um, you are taking away uh, some of the help that they uh, very much need. Right. But in this case, you know, it's not competitive. Everyone's working together, so... It kind of makes sense for people who have been through another through body, the, the muck and the mud, to uh, to have more capacity to lead the charge next time. Okay, that's interesting. So you're able to sort of map out for other players what it's like to hunt out and infect things. Yeah, or you're just given kind of better weapons, and so you know you you naturally fall to the front of the lines. You know, it's not something that you really see a lot in video games is like being a not very powerful character trailing behind somebody else who has all of the weapons unless you play like MOBAs or um, World of Warcraft type of games where you have like a tank that is tanking all the hits and then you're the one that is casting magic in the background or something like this. That's interesting. So I wonder if you and all of your fellow players collectively can link up or something and somehow like if there are different parts of species that you're infecting you there are an opportunity to by linking up with another player sort of mutate your own genome take on a different form to battle different parts of the body mm-hmm. like physically link yourself that could be kind of neat maybe there's uh, different types of effectiveness like you would get in pokemon so if you mutate in one way then you'll become super effective at like entering the body through the toenail area maybe you need like some sort of a nasal or mouth opening maybe you need to get in through the skin or uh, maybe you just need to hang out on the hands for a while until the person touches their face i don't know <laughs> hang out on the hands for a while i guess that sounds like a piano player thing just hanging out up here on the hands i'm trying to think of mechanics where you could like what does like action weekend look like here? What does it look like to jump in and have like maybe timed events where everyone's trying to mass infect the same thing and like the top 10% of players like make it to the area that they have to infect or something? One of the things that I'm having a bit of trouble conceptualizing is that, is that when uh, I think the interesting thing about 
playing either as or against germs and disease in video games is that it uh, naturally multiplies. Whereas if we're doing this kind of MMO thing where people are playing as germs, hopping from one person to the next, you're not necessarily multiplying unless you are infecting a person, leaving behind you know, oh, yeah. a germy residue that does the work for you while you're there and then moving on to something else. You don't get the same uh, feeling of spreading as you would get in like a pandemic or something like that. And I don't really know how to solve for that. I wonder if you did more of a a spore-esque thing where like you're becoming a different creature, you're becoming larger, you are, maybe you go from like maneuvering around very quickly and stuff with a single joystick to like at your maximum size, you have like both fingers on the triggers and you're manipulating two joysticks and it feels like a full hand involved in like moving you and Hmm. manipulating you around. We can uh, start to work in all of these back buttons that the video game controllers are getting now. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that would be kind of an interesting... Uh, to, to build a game where maybe you are like a microscopic creature moving around uh, in three-dimensional space using all of the like back buttons and stuff on a controller, like little cilia on uh, the outside of the cell membrane. That's kind of interesting. So, And then you could have a whole... Maybe different process or something. I I do like of of making it through cell membranes. I love the idea of kind of having different parts of a body or different species be like different types of not mini games, but like different types of gameplay to infect it. Like maybe as you're mm. like moving up the digestive system, you get like a gears of war, like cover based, like run and dash to the next set of cover while like all the things that are moving through the digestive tract are like trying to, I guess I'm talking about poop at this point, but are <laughs> trying, it could be food, uh, trying to like hit you. So you're avoiding things, but then other times in, in the bloodstream or something, you have sort of more swimming controls or mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I think you could do something with that. I was just thinking back to what is it called? Mr. Mosquito or something like that. The game uh, where you play as a mosquito kind of buzzing around this family's house. And I just like things at that scale. Um, But, you know, if there are other ways we want to take it, then I'm certainly open to that, too. I never played Mr. Mosquito. So is that like I imagine that's you like literally designed to be on the scale of a mosquito? Yeah. And uh, there's this family's home that you live in and it's up to you to acquire a certain amount of blood without getting swatted. And so you kind of move in and you can kind of socially engineer people as well. You can turn on the radio to distract somebody while you buzz into like certain zones on their body that are more uh, susceptible to having their blood drawn. Um, And then, uh, you know, just trying to get in and get out. What do you think the, maybe there's also something where you are managing like levels or things where you have to jump from species to species. So once you kind of go and infect the critical system, you almost have a little bit of a, an escape game to get through. And then once you're through, you can kind of jump and you have like a float or a fly or something to connect you to the next person. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of diseases have trouble crossing species but when they do cross species, they become kind of extra powerful. So maybe there's some sort of a balance of power that we can, uh, we can work in there. Yeah, that's interesting too. So maybe the method that you use or the way that you infect the first person 
that controls like what sort of powers you'll have on the way out of that person. So you have to like infect the right system and then like, okay, now I can be airborne or now I am transmitted through a liquid or something. So you can kind of find mm-hmm. ways to chain together multiple species infections too. I think potentially the most interesting type of infection could be the ones like the uh, fungal infections that take over the brains the brain. of ants and stuff like that. Oh man. Oh, and then you could see the species like transform. I, those always freak me out when they're like, this yeah. is actually an infected species. And uh, you could really do some weird Graphical, very The Last of Us spore stuff with that. Yeah. It's kind of scary. Yeah, a little, little fear puts it healthy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're coming up on time. Let's go ahead and call that one there and let's give it a name. Um, I do like something that you said earlier on, uh, perhaps unintentionally calling it Mass Infect. <laughs> oh, it's, hey, we've just started 2020 outright. <laughs> We're in the 20s now. Oh my God, that feels weird. That feels weird to say. Yeah, uh, I guess the world and myself are going to be in the 20s for uh, about a 10 day overlap. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Happy birthday. Happy early birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Earlier at the time of recording, of course. <laughs> yeah, sorry, audience, you missed it. Where were you? Let's hop into uh, whatever you're going to be pitching today. What are you bringing us? Yeah, so this week I've got something a little bit, I don't know if simplistic is the right word or what, but I have been thinking about a game where you can create the sort of social dynamic of people all sitting around a campfire telling a ghost story, but using the sort of improv mechanic of you only get to tell so much of the story before you have to pass it on to the next player. I don't know if we're going to do conversation trees. I'm just going to kind of let it be there and figure out what we do with it. Okay. And we'll go ahead and start the clock. So this would be a fun as kind of like a multiplayer thing where perhaps there's some sort of a uh, dead by daylight type of thing towards the end where after you get done telling the story about this monster in the woods, then you actually have to escape from it. And all the things that the people layered onto it, uh, like Jackbox style, perhaps, can either um, maybe even oh, blindly. Oh, maybe you have to select. Powers. You have to select like three things on your phone, and there are some abilities and things that cancel each other out, and some that make the other ones more powerful. And then you have to survive and escape this monster that you've collectively created. That would be cool. And I, so if you set this on the backdrop of actually telling that story, like everybody's gathered around a campfire as the, as you build the monster with your words, you could see like a superimposed or not a superimposed, but like in the background, the monster physically kind of coming to life and you're getting a visualization of the creature and it might encourage the next player to kind of, uh, be a little bit more gentle in their description of the thing. Or to be fun to uh, everyone kind of locks in their answers immediately and you don't get to see it until the very end. And then by that point, you're thinking like, oh man, what a crazy thing we made. Like, what is this going to look like? And you kind of want to just take a moment to look at it before running away. But you know that if you stop to look, then it's going to get you. How do we imagine the mechanics of describing the monster and building the monster would actually be? So we, I know you would have to... Maybe give a predetermined template of options, but I don't know if it gets doled out through like a radial wheel or like a conversation system. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I'd imagine if uh, perhaps each player gets, uh, they have like three choices, things they can add to this monster, and whether it's on their phone screens that they can do kind of secretly among uh, just to themselves, or if everything is on screen and they get to kind of make secret selections out of the four face buttons like you would when you're selecting Madden plays just to oh, okay. not show what the opponent is is choosing. Oh, okay. So now I wonder if you could also be rated on like continuity. Like the, mm. you know, you don't want necessarily, once a narrative starts, you don't want the next person saying, oh, and it also had wings or something. Maybe there's a way to kind of create that sort of social agreement or handshake inside of this construct of saying, okay, well, we've already established it's, it's too heavy to fly. So we're not gonna, we're like wings option becomes out and like the act is almost slowly filtering what the monster would end up being. I guess that Mm. would, that might end up limiting your stuff, but it's probably more realistic. Or if you say, if there's somebody that, if you say contradictory things, only one of them can be true. And and so instead of the monster having nine possible modifiers, the contradictory ones knock at least one off the list. And so, you know, you can potentially get away with a uh, more um, easy to avoid monster if you do say things that are discontinuous with the things that have been said before. Got it. And then you could do like a, a rating of you get, there's more point potential if your monster is harder to escape from. Potentially. I like the idea too of like maybe phase one is like describing the monster and everybody gets like, you go around the campfire twice as everyone gets to pick their descriptors. It was like, it was uh, scary and it was, you know, goofy and all of that. So, I mean, maybe you pick one of those and then people are, then the next round you're saying, and legend has it that it, and then you're kind of describing powers or whatever, mm-hmm. um, or like past things that it did. And then you're kind of into like capability or like it's AI behavior that it, it hunted down children or it, uh, it only swooped in at the last moment. And then as you're like actually building those things, then you're creating a creature and then you could do almost like, instead of doing a chase, you could even do like a, like the campfire melts away and you enter into almost a tower fall, like four person arena, uh, where you all have to battle the monster and it's like 2d pixelated. You could do it really stylized. Perhaps based on maybe you choose from a selection of characters and you know what characters your opponents are. And so you can try to, uh, you can try to produce a monster that you can get away from, but your friends can't. Oh, right. So everybody goes in with a hidden power and everyone like chooses their hidden power their or their, their, their class of character, but you can't tell from the design of the character, what class they are. Uh, and instead you have this conversation that shapes everything. And then it, it slowly, you, as you're trying to push it, you're trying to figure out what your opponents maybe aren't. Mm. So you can like, yeah, make it more tailored to defeating them. Yeah, you can get a sense from the first couple rounds what the person is trying to avoid or what direction they're trying to push the monster into being. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And like each person gets to choose one one or two each of the behaviors and the modifiers and the the powers and now you now you get yourself uh, or the descriptors even and then now you get yourself like seeing like oh, they want it to be big. All right, maybe they're good at 
you know, battling larger creatures. So they have a bonus based on creature size. And then you get yourself in a situation where you're like, all right, I want, I want this thing to be a tiny little flying pest. Maybe there's different settings as well. And uh, different types of monsters that would be there, whether you are in the woods or whether you are in a cornfield somewhere or even in the middle of a city. Oh, and those are like the battle arenas? Yeah, and well? it can kind of affect the different types of monsters is based on the uh, urban legends of those areas. Oh, that's cool. You could also do stuff where like, depending on how many monsters you've defeated, you get uh, more or less influence over how the monster turns out. Mm-hmm. So like first it applies all the descriptors and then it applies like some sort of win or performance bonus and like a pie chart and that like... It goes very sort of computery and mathy for a hot moment, and then uh, it all ends up uh, like waiting it and churning out the monster. So, what do we do to make all of these monsters feel designed as opposed to something that a computer is just randomly spitting out? You know, what can we do to make them memorable? Good question. I wonder if. There's something to tying them to all, like you have to start, the location that you start in is based on some sort of monster mythology, right? And then you you have one that's like, you're all telling tales in the laboratory and that ends up being like Frankenstein's monster. Um, uh, but like what flavor Frankenstein monster you know, this is the true like horror movie anthology they tried to put together that they couldn't really ever do mm-hmm. uh, the cinematic universe of these monsters. Maybe there's different ways to combat certain types of monsters. And so if if you're dealing with a vampire, you know, regardless of the power sets that it has, it, it's um, very different to deal with it than if it were like a haunted doll. Huh. That's interesting. Like, are you saying there that like... You have to do something to like surprise with that monster, right? Because like Frankenstein's going to come with its own like set of known behaviors. Possibly, but I don't know how its type would be determined. But anyways, we're out of time. Let's uh, let's go ahead and close that one down and let's name it. Name our fears. Ooh, I mean, that's pretty good. Name your fear. (laughs) Because I guess that's what you're doing, essentially. Yeah, especially if like it's that's what you want to do to make it easier to defeat like you, you want to keep it away from, you need to know your fears so that you can name the opposite of them. All right. Name your fear pretty yeah. good. Name your fear. I think that's a, that's a catchy title too. something that a video game would actually be named. Unlike most of the things that we pitch. <laughs> yeah. You could put Freddy, sell the DLC, get Freddy in there, get Jason in there. <laughs> uh, let's go over to the community. Let's hear something from Randonomite who says, Hey guys, with the utter disrespect Nintendo show to the creepy uncle known as Waluigi, I was thinking he deserves his own line of games. As far as I'm concerned, nothing would fit better than a dating sim. I would include dialogue options and a match-three type of minigame to date various unknown Mario characters like Boo and a Goomba, etc. I'm pitching a kid-friendly version of Honey Pop, the best dating sim out there. Thanks guys, keep up the good work, and we'll start the clock. I uh, I really appreciate um, Super Mario Maker 1, uh, back when you can do um, amiibo costumes, which I'm very upset they took out of the sequel. Uh, it, it was a, a great addition to the game, uh, but yeah, all gone in Super Mario Maker 2, which is, uh, which is really too bad. But one of my favorite things was um, seeing people's 
Waluigi courses, which developed their own kind of like design language, so to speak. They were all meant to be kind of depressing and recursive, kind of like somebody going through like a like a panic attack or something like that. So you would wind up like being funneled into a maze that had no way to escape from or something like that. And all of this just kind of like putting in mind the fact that while Luigi is a character is just like, is uh, it's kind of nothing trapped in his own head and nothing ever goes right for the guy, you know? Um, one of the things, so from what I gather from, I've never played honey pop, but the, uh, and that's H U N I E P O P, right? Uh, so anybody that's trying to Google and follow along with it, it looks like it's also a bit of a puzzle game. Yeah. So that, um, that particular one is, uh, let's see, you, it's a mix between kind of a traditional dating sim where you are kind of getting to know things about the people that you're interested in dating. And then when you're actually on dates, it's like a match three game, it seems. So, you know, you have to play to do actual tasks to make the date go well or not. And, uh, that's, that's kind of a neat, uh, spin on things actually. You know, it's a, there is a certain amount of, uh, keeping the plate spinning on dates where you can be a great conversationalist, but if you have to think about everything that you say for 25 minutes and consult your notes, like you might in other dating Sims, then that's not going to end up working out. You got to be kind of on your toes the entire time, you know? Right. Right. I like, you know, here randomite uh, is talking about having this be a kid uh, friendly version of this what if like rather than a dating sim like the idea is to just hang out with like go on you know platonic hangouts with these mario characters and then you enter into a scenario where you're opening up like things that just friends would do like you know, whether it's playing a sport together or, you know, something that might feel like a little bit weird if you tried to do on a date. But um, instead, now you're in in this world where you can kind of like take Mario ice skating and like <laughs> you learn that like Mario is uh, afraid of the cold or something, you know, anyway. And then you kind of like build up and you just get to learn more about all these different characters who you you know in our case maybe been spending you know 20 plus years with yeah i think the thing about dating is that even though it feels bad for a date to not go well or to be rejected for a further date or something like that it does feel more um more kind of forgivable and understandable than if a friend hangout doesn't go well you know if if I go on a date with somebody and I call them back and they say, eh, I don't really want to see you again, then I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, he right. or she's just not into me. But like, right. if I hang out with a friend and then later, you know, give them a call and they just say like, eh, I don't want to hang out anymore. Then it's like an existential crisis. It's like, well, they don't even want to go to the <laughs> movies or anything. Like, what do you mean you don't want to hang out? <laughs> yeah, maybe... Maybe because there's such a large cast of characters in the Mario verse, what you can get is a system where just like the next time they become available on your calendar to hang out becomes pushed back or something. So it's not that they don't want to hang out. It's just that uh, 
they're mm. going to hang out with other people or they're going to kind of prioritize <laughs> uh, something like that. And then you, what you're doing, right, is you're seeing like how frequently you can get people to to sort of hang out with. I mean, like how much you can say, okay, I'm going to cons- be consistent and hang out with this person time and time and time again. And by doing so, I'm going to like be building good friendships and relationships with them. What other characters within the mushroom uh, kingdom would be interesting to hang out with? I'd love to, whether it's going on a date or hanging out with, um, with professor E Gad, he seems like a real party starter. <laughs> Why did I know that you're going to pick E Gad? We, we talked about E Gad like two episodes ago or something like that. He, Probably true. Have you got a crush on E Gad? Yeah, it's okay, by the way. He seems like an interesting guy. Lots, he's very inventive. Yeah, I feel very like resourceful. Too, right. If you have different, like, different, like, not sort of styles, but I guess different like abilities per the characters, right? Like maybe Peach can bring you on a tour of, you know, the Mushroom Kingdom or like Peach's castle and stuff. And so like there's, depending on the friend that you're hanging out with, depends on like the activities you have access to. Like Peach obviously being the princess of the Mushroom Kingdom has a lot of access. (laughs) So she can kind of go anywhere and do anything, but like, she might also be mobbed by little, you know, toad fans or something like that. So, you know, you're kind of, she's like your celebrity friend and like Mario's your, like, uh, the friend that you call to help you move, right? He's got his overalls on. He's ready to do work. And Luigi's the friend that you call to bust ghosts. Maybe just to help you kind of vacuum up and tidy up the place a little bit. Oh yeah, that's really smart. And like Toad, you can go like spelunking together with him and like you can go on underground adventures and and I think like on depending on who you're hanging out with, right? Where what the activity you're doing, you can gain little items and trinkets that would work well as gifts for other friends. Mm-hmm. So when you're hanging out with Toad, you go spelunking, right? Maybe you get a jewel or something, you can give that to Daisy. And then, you know, uh, Luigi helps you find some coins that were under your couch that you didn't know you you have. And of course, we all know Wario is just absolutely obsessed with coins, as many coins as he can get his hands on, the better. And you could play Dance Dance Revolution with Mario. He has, uh, there there was a precedent for it. Um, You can go go watch an Olympic sport with him as well. Yeah, of course. You can (laughs) go check in on Sonic, see how they're doing. (laughs) I like the idea, too, of this is a good game to paint a soft side of Bowser, Mm. right? Like, hanging out with Bowser involves a lot of cheering him up. He thinks nobody likes him. He's always, like, acting out. Maybe it's, uh, you know, he's your troubled friend. He's the friend that you need to talk out of kidnapping uh, Princess Peach and trying to take over the Mushroom Kingdom once again. So you can actually, I think, like have the cast of Mario characters be a pretty fair representation of the different types of people you might encounter day in and day out. They're almost a Sesame Street like cast when you think about it. I've uh, I've always been curious what Rosalina would be like in any kind of social situation. You know, being essentially this god with limitless power of the, over the universe. Yeah, I guess she would be maybe your spacey friend, right? Like somebody who's very not down to earth and like always thinking magically, but maybe that makes her easily fooled by things or tricked by things. And so 
in a way you need to really look out for her because she's just she does not relate to, you know, very practical world things. I, I assume in this scenario that you get to play some version of yourself as well. So one of the things I kind of love about that is having something where you get to like make maybe at the beginning of the game, a mushroom kingdom designed version yeah. of yourself. Um, I've always wanted to see what like I would look like. Can I make a, what would I look like as a Mario character? I think it would be yeah. a really fun designer. Yeah, that would be really fun. There's uh, not really, despite there two, uh, being two games called Super Mario Maker, we've never really had the chance to make a Super Mario. But anyways, uh, let's, let's call that one and let's give it a name. Is this like Super Mario Super Friends? Yeah, that's uh, it's a spinoff of the Super Mario Super Show, of course. We can even the borrow the credits theme. Super Mario Super Friends. Is Do we bring in dating at all? By the way, we didn't even get to touch upon, like, if you do do match three stuff and all that kind of thing, like, Dr. Mario is already a game, it's in there, we can, like, <laughs> we could very easily include. So every time you hang out things. with one of your friends, you're just taking pills the whole time? <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you gotta go to, um, you gotta go to Waluigi to get the pills. I mean, that's the only, there's no two ways about it. <laughs> Waluigi runs a rehab and it's just like every weekend, it's like, why do they wow. keep coming back here? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think he's got in those flowers? <laughs> it is called the Mushroom Kingdom, too. Oh, my God. It's all clicking together for me. Um, friends, hang out. I say I'm going to hang out with friends. I'm going to have... It's a Mushroom Friendom, but that doesn't really rhyme or make much sense. Mushroom Friends. Uh, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you ready for this? We go for, we go for more of a... Uh, a pull from dream daddy and we call it pipe dream <laughs> or pipe dreams. I do like that. that is, that's a nice way to spin it. <laughs> All right. Pipe dreams. That comes from randonomite who submitted that to our website, playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can submit your own video game idea by doing just that or by emailing us playwrightcast at gmail.com or tweeting us at playwrightcast. Special thank you to Protodome for another great year of using Hello World, <laughs> our theme song off the album Blue Noise. It's a great album. Go give it a listen. Uh, if you haven't yet, there is literally uh, hours and hours and hours and hours, like two dozen hours or a dozen hours at least of uh, video game content for you to listen to with the Kane and Rinse end of year stuff. So if you've got a long flight back home or you've got a long road trip back home, now's a great you time to crush it. You've got a long flight to Hong Kong. Yeah, that's right. Twice. <laughs> You're going to Australia and back. Uh, this is a great opportunity to listen to the Cade and Rinse end of year stuff. And, uh, and if you're like me, uh, if you have a spouse that is prone to falling asleep in the car, what a wonderful opportunity uh, for you to listen to it. What else? Is there anything else in 2020? Oh, boy. Anything else in 2020? I mean, register to vote, I guess. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's going to be important this year, huh? Jeez. I feel like I feel like we already went through an election on this show, but I guess we didn't. We started we started after it all already started. So. Oh, man. It just feels like it's been. I know. Decades. I know. Yeah. Happy 2020, everybody. And we're in the 20s now. It's legitimately cool. I think we should all celebrate it. We can say we're back into the swing in 20s. So let's uh, <laughs> let's pitch some games and swing, question mark. Nice. 
let's do just that. Give me a uh, miniature pitch, man. Make it all make it all good. All right. Let's uh let's kick off the twenties with a twenties themed pitch. How about a game where you have to run a oh boy, is the speakeasy nightclub the right decade or is that the thirties? <laughs> no. <sighs> oh no. You were there's tassels for sure. I'm not just gonna say you have to run a, a tassel dispensary. <laughs> You know, regardless of the decade, you do run a speakeasy and you have to keep it uh, undercover from the cops. Awesome. (laughs) All right. We'll see you next week, everyone. Bye.